0: Greetings AmigaOps and Top Teners everywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. I, of course, am your co-host, Kyle. Opposite me today is your favorite co-host, Michael. He's wearing a green shirt. I think it might be the shirt for this year. So that's exciting. It looks very good. It looks very good on him. Now, why have we gathered here today? It's to do a Top Ten list. I actually know what the topic is. We're finally doing our first top 10 book club. I'll let Mike fill you in on the details because I am not sure how we are going to address this particular book in the form of a top 10 list, but we shall. Mike has made that list. We'll talk about it. I guess we'll vigorously debate. Maybe we probably won't re-rank. Who knows? Regardless, by the end of this episode, we will have arrived at a definitive version of that top 10 book list. Michael,
1: let's get started. Kyle, you know, you raise a great point. How the hell are we gonna talk about a book that we were supposed to have read <laughs> something like six months ago? <laughs> uh, and that was exactly the question I posed to myself, sure, because <laughs> so I, I, I want to just upfront mention kind of two two immediate thoughts about the water dance. So first of all, I'm not sure we could have chosen more foolishly <laughs> yeah. for our first um, book club book. Just absolutely the wrong book to pick. Next time we do this, we will pick a Cracker Jack mystery story, like locked room, who done it situation. So that's thought number one, and thought number two is. Uh, Water Dancer to me is exactly why the Goodreads five star, um, system is, is just broken because I, I think I gave the book four stars and I think you gave it two. Yeah. But I get, I'm guessing you were more like a two and a half and I was more like a three and a half. Yeah.
0: Cause like a two implies like
1: it was bad.
0: Like, yeah. Like, I, like I wouldn't give anything a one unless I really hated it. Yeah. And a three is like an average book. So like two implies that it's bad. And this is like not a bad book. In fact, it's actually a very, very good book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're right. Like a two is not th- quite the full story. I don't understand. And a why four
1: you- is not the full story either. Right. Like four is definitely not the full story because it's not a four. I have I have a serious problem where I want to properly express my excitement for books that are great. But a five is is Harry Potter. It's Cavalier and Clay. It's uh, Never Let Me Go. It's like, the it's Frankenstein. Like, it's a short list of books that I just are a true five. But absent the nine, they're not a four, because that's an eight. Like, there's no way to say this was a, it's like the Oscars. Like, there should be super Oscars. <laughs> like, The Godfather is is the best picture, but that doesn't mean that everything below that should go a full grade lower you know there needs to be some some nuance i think the one thing i like about the five star system
0: is that you tend to like like you have few like in a five star system you actually can get two sometimes whereas if you get if you rank things out of 10 you almost never get fours. like a 10 star system very true it's like it's like just ignore everything below six like something that's okay is a six and something that's great is like an eight or a nine, and like that's kind of, like like in practice, a ten star scale ends up working out like a five star scale. And but that's a great point. But used correctly, like you or I would, a ten star scale on Goodreads would be really.
1: That's why I'm why IMDb is so great. Yeah. So I, I think there have been cases where I wasn't sure. Is this a a three or a four? And I would have copped out with a three and a half, but I was glad that I was forced to pick a side. Like, this is a good example. I picked a side by giving this a four. Ultimately, I think I was wrong. I think I picked wrong because I, with the benefit of hindsight, I think I've, I've remembered this book and it's stuck with me less than I expected. And so I might, I might sort of regrade it as a three. Um, which is something that I I have taken to doing, which I found really helpful. Like I actually did that sort of throughout the year, like periodically I'd look at my list and like you know that actually that two was actually a three or that three was actually a two or that four was a five that five was a four. Because we've discussed this before, you <laughs> tend to be underwhelmed and ramp up. I tend to be overwhelmed and ramp down, and it's good to have some space from that. I that's what happened to me last year when I did my list of 10 nonfiction books
0: i went back to the list and was like no that's not like because well having like a year or like even half a year to think about something and it's like you said how it sticks with you can impact like how you feel about it but i i and i felt weird to do that at first but i think that's actually kind of like a healthy and like productive practice because like your opinions on things aren't
1: static like no no and it's and it's funny like what more important, I, we've talked about this before, it's not, you know, the, the, the first time you watch something, there's some genres specifically that are designed to work best on your first go round. And there is a reason that often those ones like be it horror or mystery, like those are genres that tend to be viewed as less like sophisticated or important. And I do think there's some just basic snobbery involved there, but there's also the design flaw that they're designed to work best the first time. And so they can't grow with you and stick with you. But like I've, I have had an ongoing changing relationship with the Godfather for, I don't know, 15 years. Like I've watched that movie and felt intensely different. But important things, a bunch of different times, and that has to change the rating on that relative to, I don't know. Like, pick another. Like, what's a great movie? I want to say like a true Oscar movie that was great. Like, there will be blood. Maybe is it is an okay example for some people, but I just watched it, so it doesn't count for me. But like, pick a like a what's a great movie? And your baby, um. Million Dollar Baby. That's a that's like a legitimately great movie. But I have no I haven't grown in my relationship to that movie because it hasn't spoken to me again. And I think that speaks to that movie just being. For me, at least less than The Godfather, even though it's also great.
0: Yeah, it's an important factor. And I think obviously I can apply to I I think especially as as it pertains to books, because well, I think it's true that your ability to watch movies changes over time and the way that you watch movies changes over time. Like not it's putting aside right now, like the external factors that impact like how you yeah, consume something. But I think that like the way that I read changes like every year. And so like I, I think the the way that I read changes at a more rapid pace than the way that I watch movies, probably. And so like with books... Even more so than movies. That's Ruby's interesting. Such I, I don't think that's necessarily the case for everybody. But, like, but with all the shit that I learn every, every year, and, like, the way that I read, I think, changes. Whereas, like, and especially because, to me, like, there's more variability in, like, books, the way that people write, than there are in the way that people like direct and shoot things not to say that there aren't like massive differences no but
1: there's a there's a studio system involved that isn't involved to the same degree in the publishing industry and so there's there's more variety in how you can experience a book that's i think true yeah and like all these things are true for both like but and the way
0: that like you read one book can really change your perspective on something you've read previously in the same way that when you see a movie and then like a movie you'd seen previously changes perspective. We've talked a long time about this. The point is, I think it's totally acceptable for you to change your rating of
1: this. When we're done here on good. No, News. but I think it's, I, I do think, I guess it's a distraction from the main purpose of this discussion, <laughs> but I do think it's, it's interesting because as much as this was born purely out of laziness slash like just procrastination, <laughs> I think the fact that we have sort of taken some version of a six month journey on this book is sort of interesting to me. I
0: think it's very interesting. And I think it's actually, I'm happy that we did because to go back to that previous point, I have read things since I read The Water Dancers that have really colored my interpretation of this book. And so I think that'll, I think ultimately because we've waited so long, it'll give us a more a fuller conversation about it. So
1: great work on, on yeah. our part by way. Good, good work. Good job. All yeah. right. So to, to kind of cut the suspense, I was trying to think about what is a good way to access this without having to remember the plot. Um, because, <laughs> <laughs> because even 10 minutes after I read it, the plot was a little tough to follow. Um, slash like there wasn't a plot uh, in a lot of ways. Um, And it's been a while. So what I decided (laughs) to do was something kind of uh, I actually am proud of in the end, which is I am putting together a top 10 list of the best reviews of the Water Dancer. Oh, yes. So I went to I I searched like review aggregator books and there is a review aggregator that I found called Bookmarks. Clever. Um, Really clever. Yes. Bookmarks. And it is a really cool site that categorizes reviews into a di- couple different categories. So there's Positive, Rave, uh, let's see, Positive, Rave, Mixed, and Pan, and Negative. Okay. Um. And so they basically take the, you know, it's a little bit like Rotten Tomatoes where they take In some cases, a literal rating and just turn it into, you know, their system. In other cases, they interpret Mm -hmm. the actual um, body of the review and say, okay, that was actually a mixed review or that was a positive review. And so I ranked the top 10 reviews by how insightful they were. I tried not to be beholden only to what I thought of the book. there was a lean for sure like if you said that book was worthless that wasn't going to connect with me um but i picked 10 that i thought actually did a really nice job capturing my thoughts and and i think a good critique of the
0: book i like that lean on it because i think it'll naturally kind of (laughs) open up kind of like different aspects of it to talk about that we maybe like that's kind of the idea of a book club right is to get a bunch of different perspectives on it and yeah. like w- we obviously could have had a discussion on our takes on it but it kind of would have gotten a little reductive so this is actually is a good way to kind of artificially
1: create a kind of like communal discussion of a book so great work yeah that was not what i meant to do but now that you say that that actually works perfectly for that angle great work Not not what i meant um sure. all right so shall we begin yeah
0: what's um well, first, of, I guess. Well, to let me know if this is the order you want to do it in. What's your kind of like review of the book? What's my review of the
1: book? Well, didn't um, you probably my, you probably wrote one on Goodreads, right? I suppose I did, but it's now it's old, which is sort of <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, I I think my review of the book is that I think um, I think that Tanahisi Coates is a is just a truly magnificent writer. I think his use of sci-fi and use of the slave narrative which was interestingly a, a genre i read a lot in college um like it was a pretty common it, because it's a pretty formative american uh genre is like uh narrative of a slave girl by harry jacobs or um um what the hell is Frederick Douglass's called? I can't think of it. But there's, there's several really kind of famous slave narratives that contributed a lot to the way people write sort of the American coming-of-age tale. So, like, the Buildings Roman or the Coming-of-Age Tales is a pretty popular genre, like, throughout the world. And they all sort of have their own spin. But I think the American version of that was really born with slave narratives. And so there's a certain... Cadence and there's certain references and there's a certain style that's really kind of um, that lives through those. Like just in the way that a mystery fiction genre has a particular style or a crime fiction has a certain style, like the slave narrative has a certain set of formal expectations. So I thought he played with that. He played with sci-fi, like in a sort of handmaiden's tale sort of way, um, really cleverly. So I thought that this, like, on the ground, like, sentences were just beautiful. I thought that the use of genre was really, really smart. But I kind of, I just, I felt a little hollow at the end. Was sort of my, like, so I think he's a, he's like a great technician. And there was something there, but it didn't, it didn't hit me the way I thought it would. Yeah, I, well.
0: You're pretty much... Yeah, That's a, that was kind of my exact take on it. <laughs> but I, I would say that, whereas I think you're coming at it from a perspective, of like, the genre, the genre mixing was kind of, like, a an asset. I would, to me, it didn't feel that way. Like, I thought that yeah. he kind of dabbled. It felt, like, kind of mixed. And it felt, I think, <laughs> my insight, or not my insight, but, like, having read some of his other nonfiction stuff, like, his voice is very, very distinct. And what I realized at the end of it was that it felt weird coming from somebody that wasn't him. Like, it felt weird to have his words coming out of somebody else because they were so clearly, like, his words, you know? And
1: That's such a flaw. Like, it's funny you say that because I didn't necessarily feel that way. I haven't read him as widely, I think, as you have. But... I've found that with other writers where I'm like, I'm just reading you telling me something and I feel like you're using this character and it doesn't feel natural. And I've, I've been bothered by that in other situations and I remember it really bugging me.
0: Yeah, that was part of it. And the other part was just that like, I it just felt like there was one point, like maybe a third in where I like really thought that I was going to get into it. It was, and I like, thought the book was going somewhere that it totally wasn't it had this like really crazy Kingsman vibe to it where like this guy who clearly has some kind of supernatural power is all of a sudden inducted into an underground like under like a it's like a basically a spy organization and I was like this is fucking sick like this guy writes like Black Panther comics this is gonna turn into like like a really cool like kind of not necessarily action-packed but like Thrilling adventure that has a lot to say about, you know, race relations, like both then and now, and then it like kind of abandoned that. And also, it's like significant portions of the book are historical fiction. Like, like there are real life people in this book, are like people that are like really closely inspired by real life people, and it just felt like he needed to pick one or the other. Like, and maybe he did a lot of things well but not any one thing greater there's a lot of tropes right like it was
1: less than the sum of its parts to me yeah it's it's sort of funny you say about like the the genre of like feeling like there was the gang was coming together to go do something and then they didn't and i think there's i i think that was the point i do believe that like i do think and i guess that's then it becomes a question of okay so how do you judge that do you say congratulations you accomplished your goal or do you say i don't like your goal and i don't <laughs> think like you know what i mean like that isn't ex- i do think that's an acceptable response because i think part of the point is that the actual slave narrative and this kind of comes back to two two things that i found interesting in college like i think that the slave narrative was a very much for most at least in the early days of the slave narrative was written to persuade white abolitionists and to sort of ally the cause with, uh, you know, female suffragists, mostly most of whom were white. And so there was an expectation that you, you take this sort of rising up narrative and it's, it was often revolved around literacy and, and class. And so it was sort of taking a black narrative and structuring it for a white audience and there was also then the co-opting of that genre by white audiences. So like take Uncle Tom's cabin where you have a white author either directly or indirectly using a black person's story to teach other black people something about how they ought to act, <laughs> which is, a, I mean, an incredibly common thing. Like you look nowadays, listen to how some white politicians will talk about black athletes and talk about like you know, basically, why can't, and I know LeBron James is a bad example because, you know, conservatives in America are very anti LeBron James, but historically, people like LeBron James would be used by conservative politicians saying, look, black community, why can't you be like LeBron James? He worked hard and now look where he is. And so, can, conf- and so crushing like the story of one black success into this formula that works for white America was something that happened a lot and became sort of its own industry. Um, And so I think the point Coates was trying to make was that that narrative simply isn't accurate, that there was luck. There were white people who, no matter how much a black person hewed to the correct, you know, sort of rising up narrative and steps was never going to be welcomed. And so I think that was like, that just took me five minutes to like share my thoughts on that like that's too long <laughs> I, I and I get it and so yeah in some way he was like making a, a good point that basically it's bullshit to sell a narrative that hey if you're Frederick Douglass and you learn to write you can rise out of slavery and be welcomed into white society like yes that is bullshit and I guess he was saying it in a clever way but it was a pretty unsatisfying <laughs> way in in some sense i guess again is the point and it just sort of it's this recursion of like it was unsatisfying but that's the point but that was unsatisfying but that's the point and like i that's tough well like i think it says
0: i probably says more about the reviewer than it does about the book right like the fact that like that was disappointing to me it kind of like it, kind but of- again,
1: that's just like it's this. It just it comes back on itself yeah. over and over again because you say like, "I'm a white reader," so of course I wanted that narrative, that upward mobility narrative structure, and so he wins. And it's like I, I don't know. It just it's, it's not that he's wrong, but it's not a particularly satisfying reading experience to feel like you've been checkmated. I guess right
0: <laughs> so th- well thanks yeah. that's the kind of what I was looking for and so that we kind of have like our base perspectives at least before we get into someone else's takes on
1: it all right so let's dive into it we spent a lot of preamble uh yeah. number 10 a positive review by Hanif Abdul from four columns i'm going to read you this is long but i, I don't know do you want to he- i mean it's not the whole review but it's going to take me a minute to read Alright, throughout many corners of his writing, I have found Coates to be at his strongest when fully committing to his seemingly natural ability as an empathetic storyteller. Because the water dancer is told in Hiram's voice, through consistently unfurling memories and scenes, the emotional stakes of the book and its narrative, narrator, feel immediate. The best work Coates does here is putting a reader in a position to connect to the jarring impacts of Hiram's powers. Because Coates is so good at populating and drawing out a scene, Hiram's joy at being present in Lockless again is the reader's joy. Having been immersed in the Philadelphia landscape for so long, the break from it feels vivid, like a memory woven into our own history. It leaves a reader wanting a bigger look into what Hiram has left behind, or what a reader has left behind somewhere that cannot be retrieved. The book does slightly suffer from occasional tonal inconsistency. In some places the water dancer leans into its commitment to an alternate universe. In others, it uses a few too many thinly veiled touchstones of American slavery. In all of his work, Coates is strongly tied to allowing history to do ha- the heavy lifting. But the way the history is the way history is woven into the fantasy world of this particular novel is isn't always as dazzling as the fantasy itself. How a story of slavery richly depicts or stumbles over the tactile details of its violence can feel secondary to how the story of the human relations within that violent machinery are rendered. The Water Dancer succeeds in this part of its work. There's a tenderness not only in the language and story arc, not only in the frantic desires of Hiram and his need to belong, but especially in how gently the novel treats a person's relationship with memory and the parts of memory that don't return as clearly as a person needs them to. So that was long. I'm not going to read that much for the next ones because that was too long. But um, (laughs) I thought that was just a really wonderful review. I think it does a nice job sort of setting up what are Coates' superpowers. How does he make them work in some places, and how does he sort of fall short in other places? Yeah, um I think
0: he's right. Like, I, I I spent a lot of time focusing on some of the the drawbacks that I encountered, and he mentions the same ones. I guess like kind of the tonal inconsistencies. But yeah, it's it's worth reiterating that like, regardless of like your own kind of take on like, where the voice is coming from, like, it's an effective voice, and, like, the perspective is, is correct, I like how he made the the notes about, like, because that was an effective part of it, like, how he's, like, at one place to start, and then the book kind of shifts over to Philadelphia for, like, a, a significant portion of the middle, and then, like, the return, I hadn't really made the connection between, like, kind of the themes of memory, but, like, a lot of time has passed, for Haram and like by the time you get to that point in the book it feels like to you as a reader as well that a long time has passed and like that's an effective not a trick but like that's an effective tool that he I thought like actually I did encounter or I did
1: feel when I was reading it and I think a really difficult maneuver to pull off yeah like I've noticed that working in the context of a series But it's, I think, especially hard to pull off in a standalone novel. Like, for example, when Harry leaves or returns to Privet Drive in each of the Harry Potter novels, it's it you feel it and you you get a sense of time and you have a sense of place and how he feels and how it makes you feel. But it kind of only works with repetition. And this pulls that off very quickly. I was going to say or length. And this is not really that long of a book. Yeah. Yeah. yep. Yeah. So good review. All right. Uh, number nine is a positive review from Joan Gaylord of the Christian Science Monitor. So I am going to read the whole one I have here, but it's because it's about half the length. So <clears throat> with his exquisite writing, Coates delivers an adventure tale steeped in American history. Hewing close to these historical facts brings an authenticity to the story. Through his weaving together of these stories, Coates brings a sense of humanity to the history. His alternative terminology might seem like simple changes in vocabulary, but the effect is to lift the story above the one we read about in our history books, the one we think we, know, we all think we know so well. As Coates imparts a tale that is richer and fuller than the one gleaned from school books, he implores the reader to approach it with a fresh eye and an open heart, he lays open the ramifications of this story and its impact on both the quality and the task for both were affected by the corrupt system. And I see you shaking your head and I think I totally agree. I was just going to say
0: that I forgot that he chose those specific words, task and quality. And like at first, like the very first time I read it, I was confused by it. And then
1: as soon as I realized what he was doing, I was like super into it. Um, totally that's what I had since you were latching onto, and I felt the same way I always I really like when an author can do that effectively to just just push you five degrees off of your typical perspective it's really you and I have talked about it it's a little bit like sci-fi that's almost the world we're in sort of the Philip K. Dick like this is almost the real world but it's just 5% different and that 5% is really important well, And that's, I think, the tasked and quality move.
0: Well, and picking the right words. Like, words that feel right. And, like, like J.K. Rowling is the master of that. And yeah. when it's not done right... It's, See, episode, whatever. When it's not done right, it's really jarring. Looking at you, Stephen King. Like, he does that a lot. <laughs> and, it's, and it's weird if it's not done correctly. But, like, very quickly with these specific words, it feels, like, super... It feels so right. And it, like, really... Uh, also, another important thing is that like those words are capitalized in the book task and quality and like that in itself is like an important part of what he's trying to say by like picking those specific words and i thought that was like a really good example of, of his ability to uh, to use words like so
1: effectively and i think it was such a sci-fi move like that to me was why i said sci-fi Like that's a sci-fi move classic yeah science fiction move um the other thing i thought this reviewer noted well was the impact because she's saying the impact on both the quality and the tasks and she's referring to back then but i think it's also pretty clear that this is referring to us now and it's it's in my view it it touches on the really important dance that any black writer has to do which is the the infrastructure of american literature is white in the publisher's the distributors the consumers of this sort of work are going to be white liberals for the most part and so you have to kind of and this we've talked about this before like in my view the definition of privilege is being allowed to exist without relation to other people or or pre-existing definitions like to be just Kyle And be allowed to be just Kyle is an extreme privilege rather than having to be Kyle in relation to what people already think about you is just like an immense privilege. And so the, the privilege that isn't granted to black writers is the privilege to just write a book and people just read it. It's always going to be a black book. Yeah. And so like thinking about how how do I stand in relation to the readers and publishers and distributors who are white? Like, do I confront them? Do I supplicate? Do I surprise them? Like, what's the? Because that's always part of the the dance. And so I think what she points to really well is that Coates is such a talent that I think, except for a person who goes into reading his work genuinely not interested in being persuaded or being moved, he adequately invites and shames you in a way that i just think is really it's really skillful and really difficult yeah
0: that's a good point like i like knowing that like knowing that he was going to write something non-fiction it, you kind of like jump automatically to the oh i wonder how he's going to incorporate like not like not like his blackness but like his take on blackness into like a non-fiction story like that was just kind of an underlying assumption that i would never make with another writer um yeah and so it's dealing with those expectations and you're right this is a good way to do it
1: yeah totally all right uh next one uh this is a pan oh no from charles mudede from the seattle stranger Coat. I I like. I, I'm reading just like a little bit ahead. I actually I thought this was a good review. I don't totally agree, but it's a good review. Coates, the celebrated essayist, who's often compared to James Baldwin, clearly thought that like Baldwin, he could write fiction as gripping as his nonfiction. He tried. He gave it a decade of his life, but he definitely failed. Pretty much a mess from beginning to end. The main flaw with the novel, The Water Dancer is Coates wrote it to sound and feel like a novel. Told with the deliberate gravity of a writer who believes he's writing a major work of fiction, it's as if Coates did not want the reader to be uncertain about the status of the work. It's not an essay, nor a historical document. It's a serious American novel. Page after page, the language insists on this. The only respite from this stiff, stilted, novelistic language is when Coates switches to his essayist mode and describes, in a monologue of which there are too many in this book or in exposition, an aspect of American slavery that clearly throws light on an aspect of the culture of our times. I could feel my hand turning every one of its 400 or so pages. So, I disagree with his take on what that approach led to because i think i felt better about the outcome of this book but i completely agree with the and i'm mind reading so it's unfair but i will kind of indulge the mind reading i definitely felt reading this that Coates felt like he was writing a capital i important novel and I've read novels like that before where you can tell the author was convinced that this was capital I important. And you can and it and it often kind of creaks and this creaked, I thought, with that. And I think the comparison to Baldwin is a good one because. what, Bal- what Baldwin does so well, he talks, he talks about it. Um, I forget what he calls it. I, we've talked about this before. It's like the advocacy novel. He tries He tries not to write people to mean things, or did, Baldwin. He would try to write people who felt honest to a place and a situation and let that sort of speak for the, the message he was trying to send. And I think that those two are, like that versus writing for a cause can be, similar in their underlying motivation but they almost always feel very different and i think this creaked under the weight of what Coates wanted it to do in a way that baldwin's work didn't sure i don't i
0: haven't read baldwin so i can't make that comparison mm-hmm. but i will say that it's like kind of the tone is like it's pretty onerous like it's pretty heavy which i think would have been fine except that there are like aspects of it that are just like kind of like objectively silly and like just not very grounded and like so i i think going back to like my one point is that it just felt very mixed like i think that like capital i important kind of tone that's established would have been perceived differently if it hadn't been like juxtaposed or like, well, there it is juxtaposed. If it hadn't been put like right next to like, this guy can teleport. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think
1: context with that kind of thing is important. Um Well, I think, think about it this way. Like if you think about, you know, I think two, two stories that are about the same topic, but approach it really differently are the movie crash which is like the most universally panned best picture probably of all time. And I've seen crash and man, oh man, crash is a capital I important movie, but it's not a very good movie. Right. (laughs) And so it tries to do this thing where it tells you about how complicated race is and how bad racism is and all this stuff. And, It's just you can tell it's trying. And on the other hand, you watch and it's it's uh, Barry Jenkins. On the other hand, the film Moonlight Moonlight is a film that in less skilled hands would be capital A about being gay or capital A about being black. But it's neither. It's about Chiron And in telling the tale of Chiron, Barry Jenkins tells you about being black and being gay in America. And that to me is the difference. Well,
0: let me know if you think this is a dumb comparison, but I think another movie that does that (laughs) exceptionally well is black Panther. Like, yep. That's a movie about a fucking dude who lives in Wakanda with a vibranium Panther suit. And that's what it is. Like, you know, but, like you can't possibly watch that movie without feeling for killmonger and understanding what it's like to grow up like outside of that
1: system and feeling betrayed by it. Like a hundred percent. and you can't watch it and not think how important it is to live in a culture where heroes that look like you are available. Like that's so much of what that movie's about, both in the movie and outside the movie is like black little black children need heroes and we as former little white children just have such a surfeit of heroes offered to us and that allows us to grow in a certain way that little black children in America aren't and but that's not the that's not the capital p point of that movie but it's not possible to watch it and not get that right it's
0: <laughs> to use like the word subtle and black panther in the same sentence is tough but like it is even if it's not subtle, it's not necessarily the focus or the point like you're saying, which I think is kind of what this review is is getting at, is that like it was a little less
1: nuanced with this book, I would say. Yeah, agreed. All right. um, I Just in the interest of time, because we're we're going slow. Yeah. um, I'll just mention three that I liked that were near misses. There was a positive review from uh, Daryl Robertson at Vibe, a positive review from Eric hershethal from the new republic and a rave review from craig Lindsay of the houston chronicle um you know kind of similar stuff similar sort of things we were thinking about but um that was it for the for those they're not that important so i'll jump to number seven okay this one is a positive review from angela anjai from the star tribune no doubt, Coates, a former journalist for The Atlantic, has done his research in a gorgeous, realist style reminiscent of the masters of 19th century French literature. Uh-huh. He captures with plodding detail and observation the grave, immoral world of slavery. But writers who set their fictive worlds in bygone eras and manage to eschew polemics for the details of history and riches of imagination must also wrangle into narrative existence all the dynamics that make a novel sing. In The Water Dancer, Coates has accomplished this to varying degrees of success. Hiram's love for Sophia, bordering on melodramatic at times, never really hits the right tempo until a little too late. Additionally, while the magical elements of the story elevate Hiram to superhero status in a gloriously satisfying way, they sometimes jar against the realism that underpins the narrative. And yet, even as the novel drifts towards its rather predictable feel-good ending, we continue to root for it. Because, after all, we are still living in a world that needs a book like this to be written, to join the centuries-long lament against the lasting, ever-damaging effects of slavery. I think that's a really... like As I'm rereading that, I'm going to have a hard time having another review top that, because I think that so accurately captures the good and the bad.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think where that differs from like so at least that last review is that like, I think she's identifying like all of the same exact things that he is. And, but just saying, but comma, like that doesn't really matter. <laughs> and, and the overall like takeaway from this book partially is just that this book even exists is like a, a
1: success, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I thought the, the mention of the love story was a really good point. And I think, it's sort of funny. I had a hard time reading this book and not thinking of Tarantino and his forays into reimagining um historical events through genre, so specifically thinking about Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained and how finding the right sort of high and low level of like high telling you like a really broad story, low telling you a really narrow specific story finding the right balance and finding ways to sort of make it compelling on both the story level and uh as they said like a polemical level that's really complicated and i think it's something that tarantino has gotten really really good at um and i think my my sense of this is that i just think Coates needs like two more novels to work out the kinks because I'm reading it and he's just got all the raw material. I just think he needs to calibrate a little bit. And maybe write, like, I think he needs to not try as hard. Like, just write less, move faster, and let the talent speak for itself. Yeah, or, like, like,
0: go one way or the other, I think. Like, either go faster or kind of, like slow it down but the, the problem like that if you're gonna do that it's harder to do fiction like because i feel like he's yeah. already done that like his non-fiction work is like what this looks like if you kind of like slow it down and really focus on the meaning behind it and it's awesome it's great it's just it's nonfiction, so i think that's yeah. a that's a good observation by you i like the thing is like as soon as he writes another fiction book like i'm gonna read it right
1: away yeah so yeah it's it's an interesting it's an interesting I'm trying to think of a good. Tarantino's not a perfect example because he came out so so hot in the you know genre like in the same medium, but there's definitely other artists who've had similar sort of journeys where you're like, yeah, I see it. You're not quite there. I see it, and then you're like, oh man, that sings. Yeah, um, I'll try to think of that in the
0: back of my head as we go
1: because I, 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 I feel like I, it's <laughs> probably David Fincher. <laughs> yeah that works yeah it's like music videos to movies and you're like yeah this is a little like campy but i see something and then you're like holy shit that dude is just everything is just right
0: or what about like um i think this is a fair comparison like if you watch like the like like chris nolan like if if you're if you watch following or like Hmm. memento like those movies early on are like like his writing is so complex and like it's, like, as to be distracting. And, like, I think that's kind of what's happening here at times. And then he kind of, like, gets into a sweet spot where, like, yeah. he's, like, perfectly melding kind of, like, the fiction and the, like, the complexity that he wants to do. And then he kind of, like, overcorrects,
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, thankfully, Chris Nolan <laughs> has stayed in that zone uh, since and will never re-enter <laughs> the overly complicated zone, thankfully. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rooney, all right, number six, positive Corey Oldweiler uh, from AM New York. As expected from an intellectual like Coates, there are few easy dichotomies here. Cruelty abounds, but few characters are purely evil. Hiram and others have close, complicated relationships with their owners, and even freedom comes with its shackles. Parts of the plot are muddled, and characters' actions are often difficult to reconcile, but it is undeniably compelling idea with some moving scenes, the irony is that Coates' own of uh, this I like. The irony is that Coates's own ability with nonfiction narrative is already close to a superpower. So hopefully his future efforts will be concentrated there. What's interesting is I don't agree with the I don't like. I guess I as I was reading that I was thinking he was saying hopefully Coates will just focus on letting the writing speak for itself. Maybe he's telling him like stick to nonfiction, but I take that my own take on this is since the writing is your superpower, like simplify the plotting and like declutter the structure and just write your great writing is how I think that should have what he should have said.
0: Yeah. Like do like do less. Right. Like is kind of the Mm -hmm. advice there. I think that's, I think that's true. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same. It's a lot of the same things you've been hearing before. Like, this dude is just like a masterful writer. (laughs) And I think he's a little bit more bullish on how compelling it is. Because I don't know about you, but like, for me, there's a feeling you get with a certain book where you're like, I'm like really kind of like getting a rhythm and you're not having to consciously think about reading it. I think you're different than I am. Cause you just read, I think a lot more than I do still. But for me,
1: like there are certain books where I just like, don't have to think about it and I'm going to read it
0: whenever I no, have the chance
1: I, to. And my superpower is that I can, that I'm a grinder. So I'm like, I can grind, but that doesn't mean that I don't feel the hum when it works. And I do. Yeah. And this didn't have that. I didn't for me. Like I felt like I was, I,
0: Consciously had to finish it, you know, and like that's like sometimes, like, that's all it takes for me to be like, eh, that book wasn't really like just from the evidence I have in my hands. Like, it took me a long time to read this book and it wasn't that long. So, um,
1: that's like, but it sounds like this guy did not have that problem. No, yeah, nope. All right, uh, number five, this is a positive review from Diana Evans of the Financial Times. This one I'm definitely gonna cut down because this is way too long. Uh, Coates' love of comics and his contributions to the Marvel Empire are apparent in the epic daring of this tale, its allegiance to the fantastic and mythical. Yet, as in his nonfiction, there is a solid grounding and brutal reality here reaching back into history, in particular, the era of the American Civil War, blah, 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 blah. Drenched in centurial sorrow, the voice of the tale nevertheless has a piercing resonance. This is, wow, this is like a uh, word soup, reminding us of the (laughs) imperative of continuing this painful archaeology, not just to honor those who were tortured, murdered, and abused, but to understand its impact on our troubled contemporaneity. A transcendent, arresting work from a crucial political and literary artist, now with an expanded repertoire. So I think a couple things, my biggest take off of this is I like the the framing of um, now with an expanded repertoire, because I think that's to me, like that ends on a positive, exciting note where it's like, okay, we've got this great thinker, like one of the truly great intellectuals of our time who has, what I think is cool about Coates is that in addition to just being brilliant in his specific, sort of work one at a time, he has a bigger picture plan. Like he has, he is a, he is a polemicist. Like not, he's not just a pure intellectual. He's like a Christopher Hitchens. Like he's, he's trying to to drive at something in a way that's really specific. And I think is a little bit lost to our current like intellectual era. I think people are encouraged To be like either editorial or like broadly editorial about stuff that's all over the place or like specifically wonky. And I think the combination of like this person is a true race wonk, like he knows every in and out of every fact, but applies that to like, like an editorial agenda in a really cohesive way. Is really rare and really cool, and the idea of that person having a new way to express that and a new way to reach new people is just amazing. Well, who else does that? Like, who else can you think of? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'd have to really think. Right. Part of that's probably just my own shortcomings, but I don't. I mean, Mike, not Michael, like Michael Lewis. Like, is it like? No. No. I don't. I don't really. It's not quite the same. No. But
0: I don't think it has. I think it's less to do with your own shortcomings and more to do with like. If there was someone that did that, like, we'd fucking know. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? It would be, a yeah. bi- it's a big deal because it's like, it's like Speak Shohei Otani. It's like doing two things that you shouldn't be able yeah. to really do
1: simultaneously. I bet, you know, it's interesting. I would think there's probably some conservative writers because that, I do think that this sort of like classical liberal, not li- like our liberal, but like the sort of liberal philosophy, sort of like classical liberalism. It prizes sort of like a cohesive narrative using different forms and like argumentative forms. And so I do think that there's probably some conservative thinkers who cross formats in a really specific sort of targeted way. I don't I I don't I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but I feel like that's an area of thought that still prizes that sort of presence I don't know that there's anybody who I would put toe to toe with him. Um, he's just such a towering figure. The only person I can think of is David Foster
0: Wallace, and it's like, yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's not quite the same because like his his nonfiction is not editorial in the same way that Coates is, and he only has like one kind of like masterwork of fiction to draw on, but like that's the only thing that comes to mind.
1: So, yeah, I don't I don't know. There's a I'm looking right now. There's something called the global thinkers. Thomas Friedman is probably somebody people would cite, Um, I guess. I think a lot of people think he's kind of a dope. Um, (laughs) But like I'm looking now at like this great thinkers list. It's the uh, it's the foreign policy top 100 global thinkers. He's the only person I think I can like I've looked at it just. Briefly on this list, who kind of fits that mold, who has sort of crossed genres and like writes with a really specific bent, but like in a very cohesive way. I just think a lot of people, like I said, kind of got tired of him. But at any rate, Coates, amazing. Okay, yep. um, number four, positive from Essie Edugian, who wrote that book Washington Black. I, was just, I I recognize the name. Yeah. Yep. Uh, writing for the New York Times Book Review. Uh, this was a positive review. Uh, Coates, this is one of my favorites. Coates balances the horrors of slavery against the fantastical. He extends the idea of the gifts of the disenfranchised to include a kind of superpower. But The Water Dancer is very much its own book, and its gestures towards otherworldliness remain grounded. In the end, it is a novel interested in the psychological effects of slavery, a grief that Coates is especially adept at parsing. The paradoxes that existed for The paradoxes that existed for both the slavers and the enslaved are skillfully examined. It is also true, however, that this is a first novel and reflects some of the inconsistencies of first novels. The writing occasionally lacks vibrancy despite its great excitements. The dialogue is heavily expository, almost without exception. When this part, that was good. Uh, almost without that exception, when High meets a new character, that person recounts his or her own personal history at length. <laughs> While we're told early on that people mark High as a listener and, com- and are compelled to tell him things, these disclosures still feel strained and unnatural. But the novel's few weaknesses are offset by its enormous strengths.
0: <laughs> That's a good point. It's definitely very expository yeah in a way that like only in retrospect did i realize felt weird and i haven't had to have her tell me that but yes that's true
1: yeah it's a little bit like the the critiques of inception yeah i i do think i i will say like inception is a better work of fiction than this in my opinion but i do think that there's the two share some traits of like genre bending and heavy exposition and sometimes like better ideas than execution um, I do think I again I think Inception on Balance is a better work, but I do think that they share some qualities. Yeah. It's a fair comparison. Yeah. uh all right, number three. This is a mixed review from Constance Grady writing for Vox. Uh this is a long one, so I'll cut it. Uh Tanahee Coates is not yet a great novelist. It's great first sentence of the review. Cause it, it's again, it's a positive, like but he can be. We all know he can be. Or it kind of implies, like, he will be. Yes, right? exactly. He's an okay novelist who can write the hell out of a sentence. A rich, intellectually interesting metaphor, if nowhere as elegantly deployed as the similar metaphor in Beloved that Coates is scribbing from. It's a high bar. <laughs> um, Studded with passages that shimmer with lyricism. Everyone talks in basically the same way, which means everyone talks in essays. Uh, And so it it continues like, okay, so... Coates doesn't have the kind of command over the parliament over the novel as a medium that will let him meld. There's something about parliamentary debate that I <laughs> kind of merge that sentence into. Coates doesn't have the kind of command over the novel as a medium that will let him meld disparate genres together. He doesn't seem to care about his characters as people, rather than as devices he can use to convey ideas. He doesn't really understand how to keep a plot moving. What Coates can do and what he does better than nearly anyone is build an argument that resounds with clarity and moral urgency and craft a sentence beautiful enough to take your breath away. It will be incredible to see what he can do with those tools. A few books from now, uh, I want to read you again. What he can do better than anyone is build an argument that were, that resounds with clarity and moral urgency. That's what he does. That's his yeah. gift. That's his superpower is you like i said you can't go into any Coates work with an even reasonably open mind and not feel your your brain and your heart pulled in his direction because he's so that's sort of what i was trying to get at he's so cogent he just he he says this is my argument i'm going to make it and you're going to fucking feel it and he does he just he does and i think that's a tougher trick to pull off in a novel. But he's got he can build the sentence, he can build the argument. He's just got to assemble the sentences now into the making that argument.
0: Yeah, and ma- <clears throat> and make it feel like it's cuz I, I would say that the, this person's spot on. This book feels yeah. like it's kind of an an argument or like a persuasion that uses characters to kind of like to fill in those blanks and yep. cuz like I I could tell you the the main, you know, hiram or you know like i could tell you some of his beats but like a lot of the characters feel kind of not wooden but like not fully fleshed out
1: no is fair like who is he who is who is high like that's just a hard question to answer yeah right and like and also at other
0: times like it's not cheating but like a lot of his other characters are inspired by like actual historical figures and so they don't feel like original to him in a way that like like i does and so like it's kind of mixed like the character development is very mixed i would say and that's i think what this person's getting at but like it it, as a part of a larger kind of persuasion like
1: they do function in that way yeah yep all right uh number two positive review from michelle k massey writing for the pittsburgh post gazette A bit clunky, but effective nonetheless. In Mr. Coates' debut novel, The Water Dancer, he manages to create a mystical journey that explores the depths of loss when familial bonds are severed during slavery. The novel also forces a deeper examination of the racial caste system and the interdependency of blacks and whites in slavery. It It is clear that he's borrowed much from one of his literary idols, the late Toni Morrison, Its mysticism is an homage to her, in some places, maybe too much so. It is too easy to get lost, not because you are swept up in a compelling story, but because you are lost in a thick text. The Water Dancer is a satisfying, if not the most captivating, read. Mr. Coates knows how to use language to evoke strong feelings in people. though Through a work of fiction... Though a work? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Coates still manages to examine the legacies of slavery that exists today as he has done through his essays and nonfiction work for years. That feels like a really good summary of a lot of these reviews. Like,
0: <clears throat> like clear, like a really beautiful thing to read. If a little dense at times, right? Like, I don't know what else. Well, you ranked that pretty high. What about that review specifically? Did you like so much?
1: Um, I think, <clears throat> I think it was a, it was a little bit of, a couple things one like you said it sort of summarizes the summaries yeah. in a really clean way uh, and then i think i also liked the this sort of note about morrison where it's like you you see it sometimes with directors like hitchcock's a good example like there's a lot of people who want who like want to pay homage to hitchcock and you're like yeah that that was good but that was just a hitchcock movie like okay. give me your Give me what you you think your yeah. style, but inspired by Hitchcock. And there is a difference. Um, but I also think I like the interdependency of blacks and whites and slavery, because I think that's one of the most important points of this is it really it genuinely, I think, tries to to bring empathy to all the characters, re- white or black, you know, quality or tasked. Um, and I think it's it's a good faith effort and I appreciated that. I think that was an important reason that the novel succeeded where it did. Agreed. All right, last one. It's a long one. I'm going to read the whole thing now because it's the last one. All right, hold on. I'm going to take a sip of water because it's long. All right, it's a positive review uh, from Tochi Onyabuchi, writing for Toronto.com. in all of these things lives a writer finally able to marry novelistic tendencies to the form the faithfully dated prose and the constraints of this story's form as recitation or testimonial allow coates ample room to both dramatize his arguments and encapsulate them in single lines of cutting dialogue to carry an entire long-form essay's worth of insights in the arms of a single paragraph long interaction between two characters The result is a powerful, if somewhat bloated, book that seeks to do so much. Sometimes, perhaps, too much. But while the moonshot may be off, the fistfuls of firmament Coates is able to bring back to us are a wonder to behold. Which I think is a beautiful sentence. I love that. Yeah, it's pretty gorgeous. Um, In (laughs) Highlighting Families, Coates made his characters individuals. Elements of the adventure novel—this is you—of the heist novel— Of the romance are all there, but Coates expertly subverts the expectations each of those label carries. The women in Hiram's story are not props. They aren't triggers for the protagonist's man-pain. They are individuals with their own desires and fears and anguish and hope. They exist with an interiority as profound as Hiram's. The book does not lack for scene-stealers. This novel lives within that particular orbit of hurt. The pain attending the rending of families under chattel slavery, and so many of the novel's most powerful moments stem precisely from its positioning here. The novel is guilty of trying to say, to be, too many things at once. There's almost a there's an almost cosmic unfairness in the falling apart of the metaphor as entreaty in, in this necessary and expansive novel. That isn't to say it would be a stronger work were the magic excised from it. Indeed, it's precisely this element that most distinguishes the novel and makes it an incisive and memorable and beautiful thing. This is a good book. A really, really good book. But its point collapses beneath the weight of the metaphor. Remembering is what brings us forward. But who is us? At points, the book's knees do buckle under the weight of what it's trying to do but it's cognizant of the foundation on which it stands. What a great review. It's a pretty unbelievable review, right? <laughs> oh my God. Um, That's why I wanted to read the whole thing. It was so gorgeous. Wow. Uh, I think... Sorry,
0: he, she with this one? I, I don't know. Well, whoever... They, they really, I think they really nailed it. Um, But what I, what I think is interesting that just occurred to me, I wonder if... He kind of thinks that this might be his only novel, and that might explain why it's so (laughs) ambitious. I think that's a very strong possibility and makes a lot of sense. And like hearing it described in that way of like the knees buckling under like the weight of like this grand metaphor that he's trying to put together, like maybe you don't feel that kind of pressure if you think that this is your debut novel. Compared to, like, this is my novel. And it sounds like he worked on this for a long time. Which, like, I don't know. It seems like this person has, like, a different perspective. God, that's such a great point. Because so many of these other reviews have been saying, this guy is going to be a great novelist. And I wonder if, like, he knows that's not the case because he's not going to write
1: another novel. (laughs) That's a really good point, Kyle. I think you're on to something where he's, like... I gotta get this one thing out there. Leave it all out there. Um, yeah. Kind of mentality. Um, um, by the way, Tochi Onyebuchi, you run. You want to hear this? Yeah. So this is a, a, he's a man, but you want to hear his his first sentence on Wikipedia. You ready for it? Yes. Tochi Onyebuchi is a Nigerian American science fiction writer and former civil rights lawyer of Nigerian descent. I Son I of a bitch so this guy is clearly i need to figure out what he's written and read it (laughs) yeah it says he after publishing three books aimed at young adults he published his first adult book riot baby in 2020 well i'm reading that how do you spell his name uh t-o-c-h-i and his last name is o-n-y-e-b-u-c-h-i well (laughs) this is awesome Uh, anyways reading that
0: yeah (laughs) Uh, okay yeah well, so there you go <laughs> yeah um I thought that was a great conversation about this book I thought we kind of touched on a lot of the points that we picked up from it like the things that we got and then also some new things that we I at least hadn't considered and I'm glad that I now have and I think overall I'd like to say that all my tone was probably overall kind of middling to negative like I did enjoy reading this book and It brings me back to something Quinn said a long time ago that has stuck with me. We were talking about Mumford and Sons and he was saying how he didn't like their latest album, but in the in the context of their entire work, he thought it was it fit
1: right in. And like I And you and I, you've brought that conversation to you brought that point to our conversation about Arctic monkeys. Yes. And how Tranquility Base, if it's their last album, is a disappointment. But if it's the album that leads to the next album, then it could we could retroactively look back and say, oh, I like that even more. Yes. And I will say it like I think
0: that applies here like taken with all of, all the other stuff I've read from Coates like I think this fills like a, a spot that I really wanted to be filled. And <laughs> while I would say <laughs> prior to this last review I would have said it just makes me really excited for whatever comes next for him in the the fiction realm specifically, if that never comes, I think it's still like necessary and important context for whatever he does right
1: next, whether it's fiction or not. That's, that's awesome. That's such a good way to close. I think you're exactly right. We should just be glad we had this. I, there were, there were problems. We've both been clear and critical on the points that didn't work for us, but I think we're really lucky to have coats in our lives. And I really enjoy, I gotta tell you, I really enjoyed this exercise because it really, it helped clarify my own thoughts on the book. And I thought, again, this is not how I think any smart book club leader would lead a book club, but we sort of, we lucked into actually a really good reading experience.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think like you said, you wouldn't do this for a a group where you're actually having a conversation with a dozen people or so, but as a way for two people to talk about a book to mimic a group conversation, I think this really works. We may just have to
1: do it again. <laughs> yeah. I would love to do it again. Cause I really, I, the reviews that was so fun. It was a fun exercise to, I also think I am guilty of just, uh, so I'm guilty of limiting my, my outlets. Like I really like, you know, four or five writers <laughs> and I would look for their reviews and, You know that I would never have encountered Tochi on like that's not a person who I bumped into but I'm super glad I have now especially because I think I have complained that I think Rotten Tomatoes has limited me as a movie watcher but I don't I don't sense that same danger for me with writing like I don't good reads I don't look at before I read and I don't think I'm gonna fall prey to that. So I think this might just be a pure positive for my reading to, to use this aggregation as a postmortem.
0: I think it's a great idea and I will probably be doing it for whatever I read next. Yeah. Um, no recap. We can't, that's no, you heard it. People not necessary. If you want to read one of them specifically, you could go back and listen for it. Um, yep. That was great. I I'll, I'll do some thank yous and we'll get out of here. How's that? Sounds good. Uh, Well, thank you, Mike, for doing the legwork on that. I think you won't belabor the point, but that made for a really great discussion, so thank you. Uh, Thank you to Kevin McLeod. We didn't use the Not Top 3 music today, but you did hear the intro music. You're probably hearing the outro music as we speak. We'll find out on the cutting room floor, baby. It's really stanky, so thank you, Kevin, even though we don't know you. Uh, Someone we do know is my sister Erin, and I will thank her as well for our artwork, which I love so very much and uh so thank you aaron for making that for us and thank you for your other stylings which i enjoy if you want to see more of aaron's work obviously sant design at instagram is the place to do that
1: And uh, speaking of people that we love as a pod, we love our social media director slash my wife, Mm -hmm. Caroline uh, Labranti Giuliano, who has done some spectacular work for us on our Instagram, which you can find at top10km with the time spelled out T-E-N. She's done some passable work for us (laughs) on our Facebook group, top10 with Kyle and Mike. Uh, If you want to go outside of Caroline's work and shoot us an email on Gmail. You can email us at top10km at gmail.com. The 10 also spelled out T-E-N. But before I move on to my next item, big thank you to Miss Linus and her great work. And make sure you check out her personal stuff, which does lie in my pocket indirectly because it assumes she lets me have some of that money because it is her work. And we haven't merged bank accounts yet. So Ooh. pay her and then make sure she gives me some uh, by checking out her stuff on Caroline Giuliano. Uh, photo on Instagram. I think it's CGP, baby. It's Caroline Giuliano Photography. There we go. Uh, and finally, before we go, I'm sure you're listening to us on some sort of listening app. But if you're looking for another one, check us out on the Apple Podcast app. Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean. Pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. So Kyle, that's all I got to say about that.
0: Just great stuff, Mike. Thanks for uh, talking with me for some time today. That
1: was a good time. Some amount of time, yes. Quite a bit of time. A lot. All right, amigo. I'll see you soon. Peace. Peace.